Welcome to the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets lost a heartbreaker last night. Yes, there is a pun intended there because it was Valentine's Day. But the New Jersey Devils, that's a funny one in its own right, playing the Devils on Valentine's Day. I guess we should have figured it was going to happen. 1.4 seconds left in regulation. A 2-2 game. The Devils score, and they put the stake through the heart of the Blue Jackets. 3-2 is the final. And the Blue Jackets, Jody, who, who have been playing so much better as a whole. And they were challenged last night without Vladislav Gavrikov, which we'll get into in a little bit. But their defense stepped up. They played well as a group. And they walked away, not only with nothing to show for it, but they really walked away just decimated after that game based on the way that it ended. I know that you've seen games like that. I'm sure you've been involved in games like that. But that's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, yeah, it was. You know, for the Blue Jackets, you see that great effort after the Toronto Maple Leafs win on Saturday night, and, and you could feel that they found a certain type of game, which I thought they had glimpses of, glimpses of in Calgary on that Western road trip when the juice was in the building. And they brought that back, that energy, that attitude to Nationwide Arena. What a crowd last night here, and I hear it's going to be even bigger on Thursday. That's tomorrow night. And, you know, you could feel the way they played. There was no nonsense in, in the – all the shifts, they were playing physical, which is something they did really well against Toronto that backed them off a little bit. Remember that Friday game? They didn't have any time and space, and they couldn't figure it out. But then on Saturday, they, they actually went after them, and they created more time and space and held the puck more and saw some great passing plays that executed on the Boquist goal. Uh, you know, three passes in a row through the neutral zone, which, you know, they were there, they took them, and they were on the tape. And there were some really positive moments. I was down at ice level. And you could sense from the bench that the energy was a no-quit attitude. And, and I saw that in, in years past and in moments past this year. But I really thought that they were going to pull that win out because New Jersey, you know, they're without their superstar in Jack Hughes, and they looked like they were sputtering a little bit. They, they got lucky uh, a couple times, and it was one of those games where, you know, the goaltending was great at both ends and kept both teams in it. But to lose it and not getting that game to overtime and the fans that were in the building – everybody in the building was like, oh, this is going to be three-on-three. This should be fun. Who's going to be on the ice? And then all of a sudden, hold the phone. There's a, you know, that that last under-two-second goal by Ryan Graves, a defenseman that jumped up in the play. And wouldn't you know it, it went in the back of the net. And, and I, you know, everyone left disappointed, but I felt like there was a sense of uh, – a kind of a sense of relief and, and a, a sense of – I don't know if i call it pride, but they were – there were some pleasantries about hey how they played, and that was an exciting night last night at Nationwide Arena. And of course, you want to win the game and have the fans and do the three stars and you know enjoy the moment and turn the music on back in the locker room. But they didn't get it, and and you know there's going to be nights like that. And I think that's still when we when we sit here tonight and, and look at that game, it's a great indicator that the team for this young group that they can play that way. He took Gavrikov out of the lineup last night. That's a guy who plays big minutes, first minutes. Uh, you know, all the time he's on the ice, and a guy they rely on, and guys stepped up and did well. So, all in all, uh, extremely disappointed they didn't get the win, but you know what? Got to be really happy today and going into tomorrow with kind of a baseline in how they have to play. One of the guys that played well in the absence of Vladislav Gavrikov last night, and he's been playing well, is Nick Blankenberg. We're going to talk with him a little bit later on the show, but I thought between him Andrew Peak and uh, Adam Boquist, I, I thought they really made a conscious effort to step up and and do a good job last night. Uh, although Goodbranson and Bernie seemed like they were eating a lot of the minutes in the game. 
You know, and that's exciting as a player because you want to play. You, you, when you're in the lineup, that's great, but you always want to play more. You want to be in the put on the, the situations, on the penalty kill, especially for defense, on the power play, because you keep the rhythm of going out there. You know your number is going to be called in the next couple couple minutes on the bench. And, and you know, when you find that rhythm, uh, the game is much easier and everything slows down for it. And you could sense, and I thought there was an attitude of kind of uh, – a freedom in the way they played. You know, there wasn't hesitation in their game. There wasn't wait and see or wonder what's going to happen. They came out and played their game, and, and as a player, yeah, you, you could see it in their game. And they, they have to. Branson's played over 600 games. He's closing in on 700 games in the league. He's the guy with the most experience. So for this coaching staff, and Steve McCarthy in particular, who puts a defenseman out, he's got to be the horse. And who doesn't want to be the guy that leads a charge? So good on him as a leader. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be, you know, we talk about the young guys and developing and helping their game. For a good Branson, uh, I think this will help his game because he's forced to keep it simple. And if he makes a mistake, he goes right back out there. And that's a, a really good thing for a veteran guy to get confidence. And I was thinking about that during the game last night because let's go back through the timeline. He gets signed as a free agent this summer. He gets a four-year deal. Uh, he's been under a lot of criticism from the fan base because why did this guy get such long-term and so much money? And then he comes in here at the beginning of the year. He wasn't very good. I mean, he was making mistakes. He was playing in a number six role, and and he was struggling to get adapted to a new team and new teammates. And I remember Pittsburgh came in here early, and I was talking with Phil Bork, and Phil Bork said to me at the time, he goes, why is Good Branson not playing with Zach Wierenski on the top pair? And at that moment, I was like, are you kidding me? I, I said, Phil, he hasn't been very good. And he said, but I'm telling you, I know the player. I know the person. He will thrive in that role if he's able to get those minutes. Now, here we are months later, and he's gotten accustomed to playing with his teammates. He and Bernie have really – if I was Tim Bernie, I would thank my lucky stars that I get paired with Erica Branson, and it's worked out because it's made him such a better defenseman so quickly in this league. But now I see what Phil Bork was talking about, exactly what you just said. Now you're looking for Eric to get out there, and, and he's going to go over the boards every other shift, and, and he's – thriving on it at least he has in the last couple of games and and they're going to have to continue to ride him the rest of the way here yeah and, and you know it's interesting because the mistakes you can make a mistake and if you don't get back on the ice for four or five minutes because situational play you sit there and think about it and you wonder and you wait and then you go out and try to correct it with maybe doing too much and we know that there's a simplicity that has to come with playing that position. So, yeah, get him out there. He's got to play now, so it, it should be interesting to watch. Maybe he does earn a higher position with the way he plays. But you're right, Tim Bernie and him, they're a unit now. They play together. They read off each other. They get out of trouble. Uh, so, you know, these are all positive things. I think a couple weeks ago we weren't talking this way because, well, maybe further back a month ago, because it seemed scattered. There was disconnection. But anytime, and, and that's why – Hockey's the ultimate team game because there's five guys on the ice and then the goalie, and you have got to be cohesive to be a unit moving up the ice and on the same page, especially with the pace they play at. So getting guys in those situations to keep it simple and understand that they're playing how they play together is a key in any any progress. And for for Good Branson coming in, new system, new coach, uh, you know, new contract. So what do you think? Oh, now I'm I'm going to try to do more. Whereas last year he was with Zadorov, very simple bottom pair guys that, you know, really ate up big minutes but were hard to play against. So that that's just human nature to come in and think I'm going to reinvent myself. But now he's 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 stepped back and now he's stepping forward. And I think that's always good for athletes. 
When you look at Adam Boquist, I think last night was a great reminder of what there is to like about Adam Boquist. That goal that he scored, he he is so offensively minded. It's hard to believe it was his first goal of the year, but when you've missed about 10 weeks of the year, then it's not so surprising. But I thought even before yesterday's game, like he was playing with Gavin Bayreuther last night, but he's been playing with Nick Blankenberg last few games. And I know they want him to be tougher on the puck. They want him to be a little bit more physical. And I felt like, and you can correct me if, if I'm wrong here, I felt like when he played with Blankenberg, he almost got drug into that because Nick's over there throwing himself around like a torpedo all over the place. And, and it kind of forced Adam to, to step up that little area of the game, which has a chance to benefit him throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, maybe a little recklessness in, um, in Bayreuther's game helps him. You know, a little bit of dysfunction where he can settle down and maybe things open up a little. You know, less structure is good for for Adam Boquist, I think. And on this goal, he's up in the play. He gets a pass, knocks it out of the air, shows his skill, doesn't stick out of the puck, and, and whips a knuckle puck in the back of the net. So good moment for him. Key piece to get going. But, again, injuries, right? He had a lower body injury. And when you have it in the boot for a while and you miss weeks of training and skating and moving, he's got a pop in his step that he's – probably lacking a little bit for these first few weeks back. He's been a healthy scratch since he's been back. He's been one of those players that has been in and out of the lineup. There's there's more to his game, but there's more to his physical ability that he's probably lost it a little bit. So, you know, we get guys back. We expect them to be exactly what we know they are or as or overachievers really is what you expect, but it takes time. So hopefully he works through it, stays in the lineup, and has a good finish to the season. Well, he had a little extra juice yesterday because – his brother was playing on the other That's team, right? right? You so, always want to go. You always want to show your brother up, right? You want to have the bragging rights. Now, his brother can brag about winning. He can brag about scoring a goal. So right. maybe it balanced. I'm not sure. Um, let's talk about the Vladislav Gavrikov situation. He is kept out of the game as a healthy scratch. We saw last week Jacob Chikrin gets uh, taken out by Arizona. They say we're not playing him until we figure out where we're going to trade him because they want him healthy. The Blue Jackets have already seen Gus Nyquist, who was a trade piece for them go down with an injury. They may still trade him. They're not going to get the full value if they do now. Um, first of all, do you like the move? And I, I just mean in general. Do you, do you like the whole idea of sitting one of your best players and not having him compete in a game? And uh, for the Blue Jackets, it's kind of like, so where are they now? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I love it. I think it's a no-brainer. Yeah, he blocks shots. Uh, he's a player that you can get draft picks for. He's going to be a free agent that's not going to sign here. The team is number 32 out of 32 in the National Hockey League with less than 30 games left. Uh, there's a key draft picks coming up in the summer, maybe Connor Bedard. Uh, it's just a situation that the Blue Jackets are in. So you cannot, I mean, when you're going for draft picks, and, and hopefully they can get a first-round pick for them. And you think about something like that where it's not just taking the pick. Maybe there's leverage to move that pick for something else. So you have to put yourself in the best situation this offseason to take advantage of this season that's gone off the rails. And to not be aware and make that decision now uh, would be foolish, especially after the Nyquist injury. That that just happened. That, that was one of those things that you can't. I mean, the game is so fast, so physical, and the way some of these guys play, uh, Nyquist is not going to back off a puck because he thinks he's going to be traded. He's in a battle for his team, and and Gavrikov's not going to let shot blocks go by. So if he breaks a bone and now you're sitting there saying, well, we could have, uh, you don't want to be in that situation. And it's uh, it's forward thinking. It's progressive to think. Get out of, get ahead of this. It's acceptable and, and do the best for the organization. I think every decision 
has to be best for the organization. And it's got to be tough for him too, though, because these are these are his guys. You know, he knows the situation. He knows he's probably going to be wearing another uniform in the next couple of weeks. But right now, these are his guys, and he can't play with them. Yeah, it's got. He's in limbo. You know, he's in a tough spot where, um, yeah, he's a part of it, but he's a, it's mixed emotions because he's a part of it, but he's excited about what could be on the horizon. And he's a guy with a young family, and you know, I'm sure he's. <laughs> got Twitter and, uh, you know, agents and everybody's on top of every rumor. And it, it could be his head probably hurts a little bit. You were a guy that was on the move in those types of situations when you're, you had a very young family and all that stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, I was. And it was interesting. I was in, I was in San Jose. Now, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't pulled out of the lineup because they were going to get a boatload of draft picks for me and change the organization. I'll put it that clear. I wasn't playing and I knew, uh, Doug Wilson had called my agent, and my agent was informed he could look for teams for them to trade me to, which was kind of a, a, a nice move because then we could explore and take time. So this took, I think, two or three weeks. So I'm in the locker room uh, aware of the situation. The guys are aware of the situation, my teammates. I'm practicing hard. I'm working hard. I'm enjoying myself as a teammate. And then every day or every other day, it's you know, on the plane playing cards, and and uh, the question comes up: Hey, uh, you hear anything? No. And it's a courteous question, but it's something I I learned is I appreciated the guys who were interested in asking about my situation, which is much quieter than the Gavrikov situation. But it was one of those things where you learn about people. There were some guys that never brought it up to me, and I'll never forget that because it's like you know what we're going through, you know, as a family. Uh, you know, why can't you just say, why aren't you interested enough to say, hey, you know, I hope, you know, things are going to work out. And, you know, anyways, I ended up going to New York. And, and I remember being down and waiting and I'm discouraged and wondering. And there were three teams in on it at the end. And then I ended up getting the call that you're, I was in Buffalo um, with a couple guys, Danny Heatley and Ryan Klo. And I got the call. And I went back to the restaurant they were at. And told him I was going to the New York Rangers. And I was so excited because, you know, Glenn Sather calls and John Tortorella calls. And I'm like, they're like, we're, you know, you're going to meet us here. We're going to do this. And when you get in, do that. And I was like, wow, you know, they want me. I'm back. And, and it turned out being one of the bright spots of my career. Just think if social media was back then what it is today, how popular you would have been. Oh, yeah. You know what? I would have had my thumb worn out refreshing for, what, two and a half weeks. Wondering, what, you know. It, 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 I don't know how the guys do it. I guess they've all just grow, most of them have grown up with social media, so they understand it. But uh, yeah, that would have been hard on the thumbs, Bob. It would have been a uh, I could I could just see it now. Hashtag Shelly Watch. <laughs> yeah. right? No one would have known. I mean, all out, yeah, you would have been out in the Bay, you know, Silicon Valley. Uh, all all the tech geeks would have been out there right. tweeting about you. They're trading right. you. What? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so we shall see what happens with uh, Vladislav Gavrikov and the Blue Jackets. And, um, you know, again, for both parties, they're probably hoping they get it resolved sooner than later. But we will see what gives. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Blue Jackets defenseman Nick Blankenberg. He logged a lot of minutes last night. And, uh, you know, he's had a hard time staying healthy this year. But when he's healthy, my goodness, look out. He can play. I also want to tell you that the new 2023-24 Blue Jackets ticket plans are on sale right now. They start at just 11 games, and you can choose the seats you want and the games you want, and you can save up to 28% in the process. For details, go to bluejackets.com slash ticket plans. You're listening to the Inside Edge on 97.1 The Fan. 
Welcome back to the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets back on the ice tomorrow night at home when they take on the Winnipeg Jets at Nationwide Arena. Bob McElligot and Jody Shelley back here with you, and we're joined right now by Blue Jackets defenseman Nick Blankenberg. And, Nick, first of all, good to see you back in the lineup because I know this year has been uh, a little bit of a disappointment for you just in the way of the, the time that you have missed this season. But how good is it for you to be back in there right now? And also, because of the situation here, you're drawing some big minutes. Yeah, it's just uh, it's really good to be be back playing and, and be back healthy, and I'm definitely thankful for that. And this year's definitely been been a learning experience for me. And um, I feel like at this point, I'm just trying to kind of get back in a rhythm with all the time that I've missed and, and with everything that's going on. So um, it's definitely been a lot of fun being back, and um, I think the team's been playing pretty well over the last couple of games, which is exciting and and something to kind of push forward to as we had uh, continue to go into into this week. And you've got a lot of challenges, too, uh, coming back because you're right shot defenseman, and they need somebody. There's so many right shots. They need somebody to play on the left side. And there have been a lot that have auditioned, but you seem to be the only one that's passed the audition so far. You've gone over there, and I know that you've said uh, plenty of times, whatever it's going to take to play, that's exactly what I'm going to do. But how has that transition been for you to move over to that other side and play? Yeah, it's definitely been a learning experience for me. Um, I don't think I've ever played left for – for this long in my career, maybe a couple games here and there at Michigan over my four years, but um, not as consistent consistently as I have this year. But um, like I said, it's been a lear- learning experience. There's new things to um, overcome just being a rookie in the NHL and then kind of switching switching positions a little bit too has definitely been a, um, a new challenge for me too. But uh, I think it can kind of push me to grow and, and push me to – kind of become more uh, not just a right-handed defenseman, but if they need to put me on the left too. So um, I think that's good to, I guess, kind of have in my resume that I can play both sides. So um, yeah, it's been exciting. And um, they put me in good situations with, with uh, good players, which has definitely helped out a lot. You know, you're so fun to watch because you're a small guy, but you play much bigger than your size. Now, some might say that can get you in trouble at times when it comes to, to getting injuries, but – how do you dial it back? I mean, can you dial it back? Is it in your nature to dial it by, uh, back at all? Because I don't know. I just haven't seen it when I've watched you play. I love the way you play. I don't know how you could dial it back. Can you? Yeah. I mean, speaking on the injuries, I think I don't really think any of the injuries I had this year throughout in my career um, have been because I've been too physical or, or anything like that. Um, so, but I mean, it makes sense. I understand like it, it takes a toll on the body after, 82 games in a year so I, it's definitely something I've been working on and um, I don't know if you'll necessarily see it from a fan's perspective but I've just kind of felt it a little bit and um, really trying to pick my spots and, and understanding the situations that I'm being put in and um, I guess just being more intentional and in the way I'm playing and like I said with 82 games it's, it's hard on the body so just trying to do the right things um, away from the rink at the rink and, and obviously on the ice and in practice. Um, to kind of put myself in the best positions to, to be successful and obviously to stay healthy too. Our guest is Nick Blankenberg, defenseman for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And Nick, don't dial it back. I mean, you can't, right? No, I mean. You can't dial it back. You play a certain style and I love it. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think there's a reason why I'm here. And um, I think part of it is because of that physicality and, and just that competitiveness. And um, I think that's just kind of in, in my nature. And um, I definitely think I can manage it, but. Um, I definitely don't see me see myself really um, stepping away from that that role or taking that out of my game in, in any time in the near future or ever. When did that? Were you always like that, or was it there a point where you're like you said, forget it, I'm just going for it? 
I I always I always like that. Um, I mean, growing up with with an older brother who would push me around all the time, and um, obviously love the the David and Goliath story, and um, I always kind of felt like a David a little bit, and I feel like it's uh, just growing up. I don't know playing playing hockey. I've always just liked to like to hit people. So um, obviously, it's I I think I'm starting to understand more. Obviously, throughout college and even now in the NHL, the the momentum it can bring to the team and 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 what it can do to to help the guys and um and honestly I just try and help the help the team any way I can. You have one of the best stories in hockey and and going back to your youth and and now you're adjusting in the National Hockey League to play a right-handed shot, play to the left side. What's the biggest challenge on that for our fans? And I know you accept challenges and you embrace them and you're going to do the best you can. But what is the nuance with that having that shot on the right, your stick on the right side of your body and having to adjust to the left on some of those plays? Um, I mean, I kind of said this before. I don't really know if there's that one thing that's like, oh, this is way more challenging than the other, I think. Um, it's just more getting used to, um, say, Peeker gives me a DDD pass at the blue line. Like, I'm catching it on my forehand so I'm my left shoulder is almost is facing towards everyone else and I have the puck on my right side so it it makes it a little bit more challenging I guess with with less time and space to kind of bring that puck over and and then be on my backhand or um so there's one of them but I mean it's just it's a challenge for me like you said I'll, I'll, I'll take the challenge head on and um definitely getting more reps in practice and, and feeling more comfortable as time goes on um, and then I guess another one, like a positive, you can look at it. If there's a puck dumped in my corner and we have to do a first touch rim, I'm, I'm rimming the puck on my forehand. So, um, there's, there's good, good things about, uh, playing right. And there's good things about playing left and just trying to get more reps, uh, playing left so I can become more comfortable. Right on. Well, that's good. And, and are you watching video of other guys that are doing it? Are you talking with uh, Steve McCarthy, defensive coach? Is there a lot of dialogue there? Uh, well, just me personally, I like to watch basically all the clips that, that I have throughout games throughout the whole year. And then obviously being injured for nine weeks, I was rewatching games and, and watching stuff. And um, I guess just, yeah, rewatching clips and seeing hey, if when I got this puck D to D, can I make another play or, or is there something else that's open that I'm not seeing? Um, and just kind of constant communication with, with Mac and um, I guess just with myself too, just trying to figure out things too. So it's been a, it's been a learning process, but the staff and, and the guys on the team have been a tremendous help. You said you're learning. I know it's your first year, first full year in the National Hockey League, and, and there's peaks and valleys. What do you think you've learned the most? What do you What do you really have your head around right now that you know that you're you're learning it, or through the experience here, the first sixty? Are we at sixty games? Fifty five games? Yeah, something like that. Um, I think just the biggest thing for me is just like the the mental toll it takes on you playing eighty two games and, and the preparation and, and what it really takes to to be a pro, doing the right things day in and day out. I guess in college you could, I wouldn't say you could get away with it, but you play Friday, Saturday, and day off Sunday, and then you have four days to to kind of prepare for the weekend in here. It's like we play yesterday and um, – Yeah, you don't even remember. Yeah. You I know. know we're in the same boat. Where are we? What, what day is it? Yeah. What What's you know, coming we, at you? Say we lose. Like we played a really good game yesterday, and obviously it's tough uh, just with the – the energy that it takes just to kind of put into a game and then you kind of got to come in today and, and have a good practice and then get ready to do it all again on Thursday. And then same thing, we head to Dallas. It's practice Friday and, and play Saturday and then you play Sunday again too. So um, I think it's just kind of the preparation side of things and um, just mentally trying to be sharp each and every single day. And um, I, the good thing is, so I don't, I don't even think that 
this process benefits me as a hockey player too, though I think it benefits me as a person too, and it's making me um, a better person just going through these things. And um, that's why obviously this year has been, been difficult. But I think by the end of this year, I'll look back at it. And I'll be thankful for everything that's happened and um, and everything I've gone through. And I think that I'll be not only a better hockey player, but a better person from it. That's a great attitude. And, and that's one that uh, will keep you around a long time. I think you know that. And one thing I want to ask, uh, again, is the injuries. And, and sometimes we forget. You know, we see a guy go out of the lineup, and we see him come back, and we think they're going to play as well as or they're, they're 100%. And, and what have you learned about – stepping back and stepping back in uh, and the difficulties with that. Yeah, I mean, I kind of said it earlier. It's hard to get kind of back into a rhythm, especially after after being nine weeks off and um, kind of getting back into shape. And, and the staff here has done a great job kind of blending me in um, back into the lineup. But there's nothing – you can't really prepare for um, a hockey game by just working out and everything like no, that. No, there's you no have, way. You have to play games. You have to be practicing. So – Hitting. Um, yeah, hitting <laughs> and whatnot. So um, over that nine weeks, it was definitely something I was thinking about and, and just trying to prepare myself for for when I did come back and um, just not trying to get too hard on myself because some nights I may, I may not have it and um, kind of talk to Mac about that and, and just trying to manage it. If you're not feeling it that night, just just be simple and um, just try and help, help in that way and, and being simple. And, hey, if you're feeling it that night, then then go. So. Um, like I said, it's definitely been a learning experience. And We're talking with Blue Jackets defenseman Nick Blankenberg here tonight on the Inside Edge. Our conversation continues right after this on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. I want to remind you to renew your tickets by March 31st and guarantee your seats for next season. You can act right now by going to bluejackets.com slash renew now, and you'll get significant savings and also a chance to win one of over 1,200 prizes. We are talking with Nick Blankenberg, defenseman for the Blue Jackets, and what a difference a year makes, doesn't it? I mean, you're talking about all these things and being out of the lineup in the NHL and all the travel and how in college it was different. And a year ago, you were in college. And whenever we talked about Michigan hockey, we were talking about Kent Johnson. When's Kent Johnson coming? When's he coming? Well, when he finally comes, you come right along with him. And uh, in a much different situation. He's a fifth overall pick. You're a guy that comes in. They give you an opportunity. You play out the rest of last year. Then you get a contract. Uh, you still pinch yourself uh, even even when you're hurt and you're sitting in the press box. You're in an NHL press box just waiting to get back into the lineup. Can you believe how far you've come in the last 11 months? Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. I'm so thankful for um, for all the opportunities and just so blessed to to be here and yeah you're right I, I mean I sometimes have to pinch myself and and through the grind and, and through the struggle um I mean it's a lot's going on but there's there's a lot of things that I'm thankful for and um I have so many great people in my life and and so many great experiences and um I just kind of look back and and look back to high school and tell myself man if if I said I was doing this six seven years ago I I'd think you're crazy and I think a lot of other people would too um, which I don't blame them because I don't even know if I truly believed it back then. But, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool to be here. And, um, I mean, obviously when you get here, you want to you wanna do well and you want to stick around. But um, now you just you really want to help the team win and, and you want to make an impact and, um, and you want to be a part of the team. And, and this is something that you're here and you get a taste of it and now, now you really want it. So now it's just kind of um, trying to manage everything and, and trying just to grow each and every single day. Yeah, you, you're talking about going back even further. I mean, you know, we're talking about how you're a D-man. It's a right-handed guy playing on the left side. 
I'll take it back further. You were a forward that hadn't played defense. A dangler? Were you a dangler? <laughs> uh, I was a goal scorer. Yeah, a boy. A little bit of everything. Did you forecheck hard when you played forward? Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're a hunter. Oh, yeah. I love just soft chipping it in the corner and just trying to go after the D. So now I guess it's the other way around. The rules are reversed. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I know what guys are thinking. So it helps me out, I guess. Yeah, I was just going to say that. You, you know exactly what they're going to do. And uh, those guys that you did it against, maybe they didn't think you were going to come at them as hard as, <laughs> as you were because of your size. But now uh, you know those big guys are coming after you. Just get out of the way, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. I just want to ask you, are you having fun? Oh, yeah. I'm having a blast. I mean, obviously this year um, has been a struggle for, for not only me, but I know a lot of guys too and with the situation that we're in. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm living out my dream, and um, I know a lot, of, a lot of these guys are too. So just to be able to come to the rink and, and to be able to do what I do and to actually think that I get paid to do this and this is my job, it's, uh, it's definitely pretty cool. So, um, it's been a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to the rest of the year. That's what I always say all the time. You know, people go, how do you do that? How do you travel when you're, you were on the West Coast, and now you're back here? I said, well, every day that it gets tough, I think this is way better than having a real job, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I don't think many people can say they they get to travel like we do or, or do what we do, obviously, walking out in the ice at Nationwide or, or anywhere, just in seeing all the fans and, and seeing what we're doing and, and uh, I guess just seeing, like, talking to my buddies back home or family and um, just hearing what they have to say, how they all kind of come together and, and support me and, and watch games and, and kind of probably know know more about my game than I do at, at times just with how much they watch and how big of fans they are. So um, it's definitely pretty cool and, and something special um, for me and, and obviously family and friends. And they know more about Norbo. Sorry, they know more about coaching as well, and that's why <laughs> I always got that. But it's nice to have that support group. I mean, that, that, that keeps you grounded and, and keeps you, you know, not that you wouldn't be, but it's nice to see their perspective and how excited they get about what you've done. And, and uh, you know, I, I look at your game and, and I watch you play and I watch you as a person. I'm wondering, who have you got to hang out with? What teammates do you get to hang out with? I mean, I know Zach Wierenski's been out, but he's been out of the picture a little bit. Get to spend time with him or, or any of the young guys uh, away from the rink? Yeah, I think it's uh, a majority of the young guys um, away from the rink. Just they all kind of live in the same area as I do, um, closer to the rink in the downtown area. So um, it's definitely nice to have a, a good young young group of guys to, to go out to dinner with and, and just to hang out with and, and watch uh, watch golf or, or watch football on, on a Thursday night or, or on a Sunday. So it's definitely been great to have kind of – that support system here too, and, and the younger guys just uh, um, I know most of those guys are, are going through similar things that I'm going through, so it's nice just to be able to have them. How do you like Columbus, Ohio? Oh, I love it. It's great. Do you ever um, think you'd say that? Uh, probably not. I don't <laughs> think so. Um, the restaurants are great, and uh, again, it's similar to an Arbor in a, in a college town, and with a young group of people. And um, it's nice that it's it's only a three hour drive back to Michigan, which is always. Always good, too. So, uh, yeah, it's been a great experience for me so far, and, and the team's welcomed me, and the city's welcomed me, so it's uh, definitely been great. When did you start working out, and what is your – what do you dominate in the weight room? Uh, when did I start working out? Like 13, 14, or was it earlier for you? <clears throat> I'd say, 15. like, officially working out was probably, like, my freshman year at Michigan. Is that right? Yeah, like, I would do – I'd go into, like, the weight room at my high school, and we'd work out. Or like I'd work out in the summers before heading into juniors, but I don't really think I knew exactly what I was doing. I was working out at Planet Fitness with my buddies, heading, right on. heading into junior hockey, or, or one of my classes was was weight training. So it was an hour a day. We'd um, we'd do that, and that was kind of 
introducing us into that. But um, I'd say the biggest thing for me was just kind of my lower body and, and trying to be grounded in that. And um, it's kind of something I take pride in in the summer just to be um, as strong as I can physically. And um, and obviously I'm starting to realize more too. It's Physical strength is really important, but I think mental strength is uh, just as important now too. So it's, I, hear, I hear Zach Wierenski is a beast in there too. So I've heard, yes. You haven't seen him? I haven't seen I haven't seen him, uh, obviously, through his injury and whatnot. But um, I'm looking for a new gym this summer, so I know he, me and him are talking a little bit <laughs> oh, good. about uh, where he works out at in, at USA Arena. So it's definitely uh, crossed my mind a little bit. So uh, so we'll see. Maybe we'll be working out together this summer. I'm looking at your legs. You look like Marty St. Louis. You must, <laughs> you must be able to squat a ton. Uh, yeah, I try to, uh, typically. I guess they're uh, – they're not as big as they normally are, obviously, with uh, the summer that I had and with surgery and then obviously the nine weeks off. So that's definitely something that <clears throat> that I'm going to take advantage of this summer and, and really try and focus on is just really trying to build strength and, and put some weight on. I didn't mean to say I was looking at his legs. I just noticed he's got big legs. <laughs> that's all right. I, I just got, noticed I he, short all of a sudden something. he was, like, ready to walk out of the room. <laughs> yeah. Maybe run. Let's talk about a couple of weeks ago. We were in Detroit to play a game. The night before the game, you and Kent Johnson got a chance to go back to your alma mater at Michigan and uh, get your Big Ten rings. Uh, what was that experience like for you? I mean, a guy that worked his way up through that program, became the captain before he left, and is now playing in the NHL. What was it like to go back into Yost Arena in that environment? Definitely makes me miss it. <laughs> um, obviously, playing in that rink is, is pretty special and, and just uh, – the relationships that you build with the guys and, and um, your day-to-day and, and what you're doing with going to class with the guys and um, just all the time you spend together, it's pretty special. So I definitely miss that. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm really thankful for my time at Michigan and it was just it was great to be back and um, kind of refreshing to me a little bit, just kind of reminding me of, of where I've where I've come from, the people that I've met and the, just the things I've been able to experience. So I guess just uh, really thankful for my time there. Do you miss class? Honestly, a little bit. What'd you study? International studies. So it's like uh, political development and economics. So kind of what what makes uh, countries and, and economies successful. Or we looked at a lot of cases where um, economies around the world were failing, and, and what the reasons uh, were for that. So it was definitely uh, definitely interesting. I had to take six semesters of of a language, which was tough. I was in Spanish for about two days. I dropped out of that, and then I tried German, and I was like, "There's no chance." So. Um, a couple of us took, uh, I took four semesters of Swahili, which is an African language, um, in a couple of countries like Kenya, Tanzania, and then I took uh, Ketwa for two semesters, which is like a uh, South American language. I think it's uh, Peru. Honestly, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I couldn't tell you a sentence from either of those. They were pretty easy classes, and it was like kind of the way to get through a language without having it be really difficult. So I took that all six semesters with three guys on the team, so we definitely helped each other out. But all of those things are not any that you're going to use in the dressing room here. No. no Have you ever used them? Legs. No, never. But you might. I know I might. I've always wanted to go on, like, a mission trip somewhere, so maybe I'll maybe that's where I'll plan on, on taking one uh, maybe in the summers to, to Africa or something cool like that, and maybe I could use uh, grab my notes and, and bring my notepad, <laughs> and that'll help me out down there. Hey, if you have any uh, tips as this inflation keeps going up with your, your studies, I'd, I'd, I'd like some advice. <laughs> we could do a whole that show might, on yeah, that, 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 might, that might cost you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yep. sure it will. I'm sure it will. Hey, uh, you know, speaking of Michigan, they're going to play Ohio State again this weekend. They're coming in here to play Ohio State, and then they're going to go up to Cleveland and play an outdoor game. you a little bit jealous of that part of it? Yeah, that will be really cool. I know uh, the guys are coming in today 
Um, so Kent and I will go to dinner with a few of the guys on the team. I know they play tomorrow. And then you guys got a buy, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Got a boy. I'll pull my card out, and hopefully KJ will too. I'm sure he will. But Down the middle. We'll see. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. But yeah, it'll be a cool experience for those guys to to play in Cleveland on Saturday. I know I got to experience that my freshman year. We played. Uh, I actually played against Peeker, um, in an outdoor game at Notre Dame, which was which was pretty cool. And from what I've heard, there's a lot of tickets sold, so um, it'll be exciting for them. Did you dominate them in that game? I think we definitely won. I remember that. I think we, <laughs> I think we won four one or four two or something like that. Hey, I just have a quick question. When in college, do you usually go out to dinner as as a group, or do you guys go on your own when you go to new cities? Uh, we always do something as a group. Right. So before COVID happened, like my freshman and sophomore year, we'd go. Um, we'd always go to like a steakhouse on the road as a team the night before a game, and then once COVID hit, um, and I think they still do it. We would do uh, just like hotel hotel meals, like kind yeah. of what we have, kind of what we have here. Um, and then same with pregame, it would, breakfast, we'd always have uh, meals at the hotel. So will these guys have to go to the team meal and then go with you guys? <clears throat> uh, I'm sure uh, the head coach, Brandon Narado, will let them uh, let, let this one slide tonight. Oh, is he um, the skills guy, Narado? Yeah, well, he's the head coach now. Is he? Oh, okay. Because yeah, Zach used him. Year. Yep, Zach. Uh, I know Zach's got a good relationship with him, and, and Kat and I have been able to build a good relationship with him over the last few years through – um, even before he was head coach, that's who we'd skate with, or I'd skate with in the summer. So I'm um, really happy for him, and, and obviously he's doing a good job with, with the team this year, so it's uh, exciting to see. I've just got one more thing for you to bring it back uh, home here to the Blue Jackets. You're going through your first NHL trade deadline. Vladislav Gavrikov didn't play last night. They're holding him out to keep him healthy because it looks like he might be on the move. What is it like for you as a rookie player to, to watch what's going on here because it's a really – weird time of the year and I'm sure the first time you go through it it seems extremely weird yeah I mean it's definitely different it's something I I haven't experienced before and um starting to kind of understand that um it's part of the business and um so yeah definitely uh don't really know what's going to happen but I know Gabby's been Gabby's been great to me and um just a great guy to have around the locker room and um whatever happens obviously uh Wish, wish him the best and, and hope to see him do well, and um, whether if that's if he stays here or if he ends up going. So we'll see. Fantastic. And and it's um, it's unique in the sense, and what's it like in the locker room? It's just status quo, or is it kind of odd? You guys give him a little, little ribbing, like, oh, you're still here. When are yeah. you leaving? <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously it happened yesterday, so um, I really put too much too much thought in it, but I think kind of guys understand that it's, it's part of the business, and um, I guess uh, – yeah, it's obviously new to me, so yeah. it's, uh, it's definitely different. thought we had two more weeks to worry about this, but here it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thrust on us a little bit early, but uh, anyway. Nick, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us again. Uh, we both made it clear. We love your game. We love watching your game. I know the fans do, too. So best of luck to you here uh, the rest of the week and the home game tomorrow, and then on the road, Dallas and Arizona. Yep. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. That is Blue Jackets defenseman Nick Blankenberg. Stay tuned. We're going to come back and wrap up this week's edition of the Inside Edge right after this on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge, getting ready to close out this week's show. And the Blue Jackets are getting ready to take on the Winnipeg Jets tomorrow night at Nationwide Arena, 7 o'clock game. Jody, the Winnipeg Jets are such a surprise. I don't know if I should be surprised or not, but they were a disaster last year. Uh, they had guys that were ready to jump ship. They didn't want to be there. They were discombobulated. Paul Maurice quit 
during the season. I mean, he resigned. He said, you know what? What I'm doing isn't working anymore. You know, he didn't He didn't have to get fired. He just realized it, and he, and he walked away. But Rick Bonus came in there as the head coach, and this is why I'm surprised. When Rick Bonus left the Dallas Stars, I thought he was retiring. And he was <laughs> he did ri- too. riding off into the sunset. All of a sudden, they hire him in Winnipeg, and then I'm thinking – you know, Rick's been around for a long time. He's he's an older guy. Is he going to be able to get these guys to relate and go? And, oh, my gosh, is he ever. I mean, they are in second place right now in the Central Division. They're only two points behind the Dallas Stars, who have had a terrific season. But uh, whatever Rick Bonus has done, it has worked like magic. You know, he's been coaching for – this is his 40th, 40th season. He started as a player coach 40 years ago. And he's been – he's done it all. He's seen it all. He did a tremendous job in, in – Dallas with the Stars, and now I talked to him about this. It was a Saturday night in July, and he looked at his wife, and he said, well, I guess we're done. And the next morning, he got a call from Winnipeg. He's like, Winnipeg? And they called him in, and he didn't realize it was a job interview, and did the job interview on the phone, then realized, okay, I guess I guess we're going to Winnipeg, and went in and did the interview and, and explored it. And, and, you know, just a great guy, wonderful family, and he's nothing but hockey. And the first thing he did there, Bob, was take the C off of Blake Wheeler because there was dysfunction in the locker room. You know, the players, there was a few players that were running the locker room, and you had a young group and a young core. Uh, and that could have gone either way for Rick Bonus, but it had to be done. He understood the importance of having a locker room. And it could have gone two ways, and Wheeler accepted it. Of course, he struggled with it. I mean, that's 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 tough on an ego. And I don't say he's an, it has a big ego, but I'm saying it's hard on you. You know, that that's it t- tears you down a little bit. But kudos to him and Shifley, the other leader in there, to just accept what has happened, uh, take their roles, and that team has now come together. Now, Connor Hollebuck, the goalie is, who's won the Vesna Trophy in the past, is playing tremendous. Uh, but you have to credit the coach and the moves he's made to identify the locker room and get it together, and then from there, have your team. And that's what they did. And, and, you know, Josh Morrissey is one of the best defensemen in the National Hockey League. And right from the get-go this year, he's just exploded onto the scene. He's offensive-minded. And you think about the D that Rick Bonus had in Dallas. Heiskanen is one of those players that is mobile and can play the game up-tempo. And he's brought that exciting style there. But if you have a top defenseman and a goaltender and some great centermen like they do – uh, it's hard to be. It's hard to mess that up. So he's got experience. He's got goaltending. He's got uh, energy uh, right now. So good for him. They're, they're top of the standings, knocking on the door uh, for the top team in the West uh, after Dallas. And and you know, uh, Rick Bonus is not not just the tac- tactical part, but everything to do with building it the right way. Is it? I was going to say, is it easier? But I know the answer to that question is yes. When Blake Wheeler, as you said, that's a blow to an ego to have the captaincy taken away from you. But when it is a coach that has the pedigree of a guy like Rick Bonus, is it uh, easier to accept? Or do you just kind of go into it and say, I I may not like it, but it's not going to change. This guy's been around forever, and, and that's the way it's going to be. You know, I think when a new coach comes in, you expect change. Maybe it's ice time. Maybe it's roll. Maybe, But for that? Yeah, I would think that it had to be I – mean, if it's a first-year guy, you have to be extra confident and have ex- an extra amount of respect from the locker room because, you know, that's that's a big statement, and that could go easily the other way if the, if the leadership group turns on that. But you're right. If, if you know there's change needed and you see a guy like that walk in, 
it absolutely is easier because the sell is this is how it's going to be. And if you look at me in the eye and think, well, you've been around for 39 years. Uh, I guess I can't really argue that I can, but I'm not going to win. Cause I see that it's, it, you're going to change this. And I think it's, ex- he's found out it's, it's exciting. You want to win a cup. This is what we have to do differently. Yeah. For a guy like Lane Lambert out in uh, the Islanders to do that is one thing for a guy like Rick bonus to do it. Something totally different. Well, here's what, if he does it and it, and the team plays worse, you're done. It's over. Right, so I don't know if a young guy takes that responsibility. Do you want to be the guy that does that change? Because a, you're getting your first crack at a head coaching gig, and now if you make this bold move and it doesn't work, hey, you're you've gone from three legs to stand on to two, and there's only one, you know one more. If you're on one, you're pretty much gone. So, you know, I think that that's uh, that's the dynamic there. Hey, let's look at the playoff picture in the East because it's getting really interesting right now. Uh, we talked. We talked about this last year. We talked about it early this year. I remember specifically during the preseason having this conversation with you. Has the time come where the Penguins and the Capitals are starting to age out? And I also included the Bruins in there. The answer to that is no. Uh, They're pretty good. They're pretty good. Uh, They're aging in. (laughs) Yeah, that's what they're doing. But uh, you've got Pittsburgh and Washington right now. As of today, they are holding the final two playoff spots. They're both wild card teams. And they're not holding on by much. Uh, the Islanders are just one point behind the Capitals, and they're two points behind the Penguins. Uh, you've got the Florida Panthers. They're finding their way back into it. They're only two points out of a playoff spot. Buffalo thought that they were going to get in. or you know, I've, I've read a lot of things. They were playing really well. Now, all of a sudden, in the last two weeks, they've kind of stumbled a little bit, so they find themselves six points off the pace here. But um, Islanders, Panthers, Outside looking in, but again, not by much. Panthers are going to win some games. I mean, the Panthers are, are a team that, you know, they're playing their top six a lot more than they they did last year. And, you know, they were a four-line team that rolled after you. I mean, you can watch the Panther game and be like, wow, this team. And they were. They were the best team in the National Hockey League. Uh, but this year they're a little more top-heavy, and I feel like their bottom six – is slowing things down a little bit. But they'll figure it out. They've got some good pieces there. I think with Bobrovsky playing better, I think they get in. And I think that means Washington. And now Ovechkin's taken a leave of absence. He's gone home for a family matter. You go to Russia, you come home. That's not a a three-day thing. I mean, that's going to take a while to get back in. And and the way he plays, maybe not. Maybe not as much as some people, but... That's a big hole for the Washington Capitals at, at a critical time right now. And, you know, you wish him all the best. And, and you're not sure what situation is there. But for him, uh, for the Capitals, I don't think they make it. I think that the Pittsburgh Penguins, too, are one of those teams that can they hold on. And, and why would you doubt them, right? They're, they're a team with Crosby. They've won cups. They understand how to win. Buffalo, to me, I, yeah. I like. Imagine being in that position. Six points out, dynamic team, showed a lot of good stuff this year. Granado just skated them hard this week. And, um, oh, I think they're a team that's and, – and the funny thing is there's just under 30 games left. And we've been doing this for, since there's been 50 games left, and I hear people talk about it. You see a team go on a three-game winning streak, <laughs> and they're now back in the playoffs, you know. So that's the fast – that that's what I love about this time of year is that race down the stretch. And you going into Florida or, or to Florida or Buffalo or Detroit and telling them they're out of it. Even Philly, they're up eight points back. Yeah, go go tell them that they're they're you know they win a few, and they're back in the picture. So it's it, it's fun. Last thing I want to ask you about is we were just 
in Toronto on Saturday, and I don't know how many people you talked to, but I heard a lot of people belly aching about the fact that they know the, who their first-round opponent is going to be already. A long time out, they're going to play against the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round. The only question is who's going to have home ice. And that is – well, I would say that's a tough situation, but, well, heck, you know you're going to be in the playoffs. I'll yeah. Maybe that. That's not so bad. But what do you think about that, that there's a matchup that pretty much is set with still 30 games left in the season? I don't – it's not ideal, right? I mean, how much fun is it if – if Toronto can say, oh, we don't want to play Tampa, or we want to have, we, we want to jump up three points so we play Carolina, or, you know, whatever they can do, play New Jersey or play the Rangers, that's where the race gets so fun. I remember back when I was with the Philadelphia Flyers, and I was with the Rangers playing against the Flyers, and it was game 82 overtime. Whoever won that game was going to get in the playoffs. And then the seeds came out. So the, the number one team was waiting to see, is it going to be Philadelphia or New York? And, and instead of preparing two and a half months in advance, it's like, all right. Uh, and it came down to a shootout. So it's not like, you know what I mean? They knew it was one of the two teams, but now, like now we can dig in. Finally, we play them in 48 hours. So I like that dynamic of rather than, oh yeah, you know, uh, Tampa's got this and this. We've got to gear up for that. We better trade for this to get that because we know we've got Tampa. I don't think we can beat them. Oh, we play them next week. All those things. So I, I'd rather the race where you can jockey right down to the last second. Very interesting what you just said. Do you, if you're those franchises, are you looking at trades based on of course they are. the first round? If you're the Maple Leafs, don't you have to look at what you can do to get through the first round? A hundred percent. And, you know, if you don't have that, player or those players that can play those heavy minutes and, and be hard to play against on the on the back end against the, the high end talent or you go back to the Columbus series where they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning I know they're different now but are, you know what are the adjustments that were made how did that work how did they do that you got to really dig in on teams and organization what what gave them trouble last year in the playoffs I know they squeaked through all the way to the end but what gave them trouble in those moments where they they were almost eliminated how did they get through so those are the, you go you go deep and you open the book on them, and then you make your adjustments. And wouldn't it be ironic if you built your team through the trades to get through the first round, and you do, and you get to the second round, and you build it wrong for the next team? <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> That's yeah, right. Yeah. You're That's in the right. second. You can't build it for. Well, you have to build it for the second round. But once you get past the first round, you know, then it's then it's wide open. All bets are off. All right, the Blue Jackets back at home tomorrow night. They take on the Winnipeg Jets, 7 o'clock at Nationwide Arena. The gates will open at 6 o'clock to get your tickets. Go to bluejackets.com. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Inside Edge. We'd like to thank Nick Blankenberg for being our guest tonight. And for Jody Shelley, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long, and thanks for listening here to 97.1 The Fan.